If you feel like you have a tremendous workload, how much of that is due to the fact that you're actually not believing and trusting God? You are listening to the Hope Valley Podcast, a weekly production of Hope Valley Church in Winchester, Virginia, with your host, Pastor Sam Rogers. Well, hello, and welcome to Sunday Morning with Hope Valley Church. I'm Pastor Sam, the lead pastor here at Hope Valley, and today we're continuing in this series that we've been calling Bible Threads. And really what we're doing in this series is we're looking at these big, unifying ideas and themes that run through the story of the Bible, just so we can, you know, understand the Bible better. Um, you know, and, and also see really how all the big ideas and themes of Scripture really point us to Jesus. And my hope in doing all this is that we really have a better understanding of the way that the messages of the Bible really play out in our lives, uh, how they help us just live, how they help us you know, relate to God and, and teach us how we ought to act towards other people. So today we're going to be uh, picking up this thread of the Sabbath through Scripture. And you may have heard of the Sabbath before, right? Uh, in our Western culture, we would think of it probably as Sunday, right? The idea is that the Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week where you're supposed to take a day off, right? And maybe that's as far as you've ever thought about it or heard about it. But really, the Sabbath is about rest. It's not just about a day off. It's really about rest. And more specifically, the Sabbath is really about accepting the invitation to enter what the Bible talks about as God's rest, Right? Um, but what does that mean, right? Well, God's rest is really the enjoyment of the fullness and the completion of God's work. Um, and really think about it like fullness and completion is something that really all of us want in life, right? We, we want things to be full and complete. And, and so that's part of the reason why we work and we work and we work. But the reality is that we rarely ever find rest because we rarely ever feel like anything is done or enough, right? So entering God's rest is really about trusting in God's work and enjoying the benefits of his work while surrendering our desire to work and achieve rest on our own terms, okay? Here's the key point I want us to focus on for today. God's design for us, God's design for you, is not labor and striving. It's actually rest and refuge in Him. You are designed to rest in God and find your refuge in God. You're not designed for endless labor and striving. And we'll actually see this as we follow this thread through the Scripture. So if we go all the way back to the creation of the world, this is in Genesis chapter 1, we'll see that the creation story follows this uh, seven-day pattern, right? And you might go, well, why is that? Well, in the Bible, seven is like, it's connected to this idea. The number seven is connected to this idea of fullness and completion, and so we see that in seven days, God creates the world. The idea here is that the world is full and complete and God's work is finished, right? But there's something interesting. If you go and look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, you'll see that unlike day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, 
day seven doesn't have an end point. All the other days say, you know, there's morning and there's evening, and then that was the first day, and there's morning and there's evening, and there's the second day. But then it just, when it comes to day number seven, it just says, on the seventh day, God resting. And there's no end point giving, right? The idea that we're seeing there is that God's rest is ongoing. God doesn't get back to work. His work is done. It's complete. It's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it because you're like, well, God's still doing things right now, but also somehow his work is done. We'll unpack a little bit more of that as we go, right? And so humanity is created and it's actually invited to live in God's rest. This is the picture of the Garden of Eden, right? So God creates the world. Uh, the world is good. The world is complete. It's, it's perfect. It says that God creates things and he says, this is good, right? And so his work is complete and, and God is at rest and God takes Adam and Eve. He takes humanity and he says, come be in my rest. But of course, as you probably know by now from our earlier videos, Adam and Eve's sin drives them away from God's presence. And consequently, it drives them away from God's rest. Okay? And we actually see this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 through 19, when God is giving Adam and Eve like the consequences to their sin. He's, he really points out to them that now labor, right? Now labor and striving are part of their lives. And so labor and striving become, become a curse on humanity, right? Because like I said earlier, you and I, we weren't created for labor and striving. We were created to rest in the presence and the refuge of God. But this is one of the consequences of sin is that it removes us from God's rest, right? And so then we fast forward a little bit in the story and we come to God's creation of Israel and he's giving Israel the law as we talked about in our last lesson. And one of the parts of the law was he establishes uh, Sabbath rests. And there's actually multiple Sabbath rests and they all follow once again this pattern of the number seven, which again, seven is this is a, is a number that in, that in the biblical culture represented fullness and completion. And so the Sabbath rests that God gives the people uh, really as a commandment for them to do were this act of worship and thanksgiving to the Lord and enjoyment of his blessings, right? And so uh, the Sabbath rest wasn't just a day off or a time off. The Sabbath was about resting and enjoying the, the blessings of God's work rather than working hard to to, you know, uh, scrounge up our own blessings for ourselves, right? And so the Sabbath followed this rhythm based on the number seven. Um, let me walk you through uh, the pattern of them here, right? Uh, so we see uh, that every seventh day, right, on day number seven, the Israelites were supposed to stop working and they were just supposed to rest and enjoy God's blessings and enjoy, um, and you know, God's world, right? And then every seventh year, the Israelites were supposed to let the agricultural fields uh, rest for a whole year. So, you know, year one through six, they would work the fields. And then on the seventh year, they had to let all of the land rest and not have any crops growing or anything like that. And just give the land, get, literally give the earth a rest every seven years. And then 
every seven Sabbath years, right? So you got you got you got a Sabbath day every seven days, and then you got a Sabbath year every seven years, and then every time you've had seven Sabbath years, that's forty-nine years. On the fiftieth year, there was something called the year of jubilee. It was like this ultimate Sabbath year. Uh, it was also known as the year of the Lord's favor, right? And uh, not only did the land rest, but they went beyond that. Uh, on the year of jubilee, like if you had lost land, uh, if you had like um, um, uh, like like land that belonged to like your family's uh, heritage or or legacy, uh, that land would be returned to you. Uh, if you were in bondage, if you were enslaved to anybody, uh, you, all the masters had to let all the slaves free. Uh, anybody who had debts, they had to be cleared and wiped. It was like this giant reset year where everything would be restored. Everything would be set free. And it was known as the year of the Lord's favor or the year of Jubilee. And it was after you had gone through seven Sabbath years, then on this 50th year was this year of Jubilee. Okay. Okay. So then that brings us to Jesus. And Jesus multiple times described himself in some conversations that he had about some technicalities around what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. There's more than one conversation like this, and, and each time Jesus described himself uniquely as being the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he had the power to um, and the authority to set the definition for what the Sabbath was and what you did on the Sabbath. That's an interesting claim that he's making, right? And uh, it's also worth noting that he actually launches, like his first big launch, if you will, of his public ministry actually began on a Sabbath day, uh, reading the book of Isaiah and declaring that he was going to bring this ultimate year of Jubilee, uh, this ultimate year of the Lord's favor. We actually see this in Luke. So let's, let's read here in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. And the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he roll, unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And he rolled up the scroll, and he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Now, what's Jesus saying there at the end? He's saying this prophecy given by Isaiah, at this point, this would have been like five or 600 years before Jesus' time, uh, that Isaiah prophesied and wrote this down. And Jesus is saying this prophecy that, G that Isaiah wrote down 600 years ago, it's about me. He's quoting me. Now and just saying, in me right now, reading and saying these words, and you hearing them, the prophecy has been fulfilled. 
because the person Isaiah is talking about is me. I am anointed to bring the good news, to set captives free, right? And so we see Jesus coming as the Lord of the Sabbath and bringing with him the promise of the ultimate eternal Sabbath, right? And as we look uh, forward to the ultimate rest, right? Because we have this ultimate rest in heaven that we all look forward to, right? If you think about heaven in, in many ways, really in all the most important and ultimate ways, heaven is this ultimate Sabbath rest in eternity where labor and striving and sin and, and, and evil and, and, and everything else that's bad is gone and we rest and we rejoice in the presence and the goodness of God and his work. That's heaven. It's, it's good stuff. But what we see is that as we look forward to that ultimate rest in heaven, Jesus is also actually inviting us into his rest now. Look here at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And so again, there's this recurring kind of theme we see in the New Testament, right? Where the promises of God, are, they're, they're not, they haven't quite happened yet, right? There's an ultimate rest we're looking forward to, but in the same way, at the same time, they're also happening now. So it's like, already, but not yet. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. But the, the point is that right now, we have rest. And this is one of the first things that I want to focus on today as one of our takeaways for today's lesson, is that in God's Spirit, you and I and we can have rest right now, wherever we are. But we have to accept the invitation of God to enter his rest. We do that by submitting to him. You know, again, we're going to look here at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 here in a moment, right? And what we're going to see is that Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews actually explains really bluntly that belief and humility are actually the way that we accept the invitation into God's rest. Because again, God did not design us for labor and striving. He designed us to rest in him and in his presence. So look here at Hebrews verses 3, um, chapter, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. 
This is part of a bigger passage in the book of Hebrews, really chapter 3 and 4. And it uh, recounts the history of Israel. And it, and it looks back uh, to when they were first brought into the promised land, or they were going to go into the promised land, which was also known as God's rest for Israel. Right? The promised land was a rest for them. And because of their unbelief, initially, uh, the first time that they had an opportunity to go, to go into the promised land that God had for them, um, because of their unbelief, God said, you can't come in. And in fact, he waited 40 years until all those people had died, and then he brought their children back, and he gave them another chance. And, and so the writer of Hebrews here is calling back to some things that were said at the time. And one of the things that were said is that the people were unable to enter God's rest because they didn't believe. They didn't have trust in his work. And a lot of times in our lives, the reason why we're working, 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 working is actually because we're not really trusting God. We don't really believe that his work is sufficient for us. And we're taking a burden of work on ourselves that's not meant for us to carry. That's a deep thing to think through and talk about. But if we're looking going, how do I enter God's rest today? The answer is through believing in him and being humble, right? Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And a practical thing we can do also is to, in some way in our lives, I would really encourage you to practice some kind of a Sabbath on a weekly basis. I think this is still, you know, in our last lesson, we talked about rituals that have been given to us. And in some ways, Sabbath is, is a really beautiful, really life-giving ritual that we've been given by God. And, and it basically looks like we take one day a week consistently and we stop working and we rest in God's goodness. Now, there's a whole bunch of practical questions on how do I do that? Maybe your life is chaotic and you've got tons of kids or a lot of work or whatever. And you're like, I don't know how I possibly could do that. Um, maybe in the future we'll get through some of the nitty gritty and how can we make that work? I don't want to say that as like a burden on you, like add one more thing to your to-do list. But I would encourage you and invite you to find a way to Sabbath rest every single week and use that time not just to take a day off or a nap, but to actually focus on God's goodness, resting His work. So, got a challenge for you today. And here's some questions I want you to think about right now and just challenge you with these questions. The first one is, and I want you to think about this, would you have a hard time resting even if you could believe that there was no more work to do? Like if you, if you could believe and accept, you know what, there actually is nothing more for me to do right now. Even in that situation, would you have a hard time resting? I know for some of you, the answer to that question is yeah. Even if I had no more work to do, I'd still have a hard time resting. Think about that. And then here's a follow-up question to further challenge you as you think through what we've talked about today. In what ways might doubting God actually be adding to your workload? 
Now, I don't know what your answer to these questions is, but I really challenge you to ask yourself this question, right? In what ways might doubting God be adding to your workload? Like in other words, maybe part of the reason why your workload, if you feel like you have a tremendous workload, how much of that is due to the fact that you're actually not believing and trusting God. You're actually doubting Him. And your doubt of God is actually creating more work in your life. So I want you to just explore that. Think through that, okay? Uh, and then I've got some other questions. Those are just some challenge questions. Maybe if you're around people today, you know, the idea of the challenge questions is you think about it right now and you maybe have some conversation. But I have some more questions I'd like you to think about as the week goes on. Really take these questions, really pray about them. Uh, I encourage you to do that multiple times this week and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. First uh, question I have is this. What internal thoughts or beliefs might be getting in the way of you trusting God? The second question is, what work are you exhausting yourself in because you mistakenly believe that it cannot go undone or without arrest? And the third question is, how would the way that you work change if you more deeply believed that all things are in God's hands? All right, now, I know as we begin to think about our workload and our schedule and our busyness, and maybe some of you are hearing this today, and even just the invitation to rest is stressing you out because you actually really want to rest, but you don't see how it's possible. I understand that many of us may be in that boat. Uh, so let me just pray with you today. Uh, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to just open our eyes uh, and, and give us some hope here. Lord God, I just thank you. First of all, Lord, I thank you that our rest is something that actually matters to us. I thank you, Lord God, that you've designed us for rest in your presence. You haven't designed us for labor and striving, Lord God, for exhaustion. You haven't, you haven't called us to that, Lord. And so I pray that you would just speak into our minds, speak into our hearts, Lord God. Open our eyes. Help us to see where maybe we're overworking ourselves, where maybe we're filling our schedule with things uh, that are that are unnecessary. They don't need to be taking place. Uh, Lord God, show us where maybe we're working uh, out of a really deeply unhealthy fear or desire or whatever else it may be, Lord God. Just reveal those things to us, Lord God. For, for so many of us, uh, there are things that we're filling our time with. There are things that we're working for. Uh, they seem really important, God, but they're, but they're actually not. Um, Lord God, and, and and they're exhausting us, and they're depleting us, Lord God. So, Lord God, just open our eyes to see these things. And then, even more, Lord God, I pray that you would open our eyes to your work, that we would look at you, we would, we would really have a better understanding of just how perfect your work is, and, and how we can just rest in your work. Lord God, Scripture says that you've rested from the very foundation of the world. I don't even totally understand how that works. But I know that there's an invitation for each of us to enter into that rest. 
And so, Lord God, help us to fix our eyes on you so that we can do that, not only one day, but today, that we would find rest in your spirit in the midst of our day right now. Lord God, teach us to rest in you. And give us the wisdom, Lord God, that we need in order to reorient and even reschedule our lives around a heart that rests in you. So I just thank you, Lord God, for all these things. Pray your blessing over every one of us today. In your name, amen. All right. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, once again being with us. I hope it's been a blessed time for you. And uh, we just hope to see you with us uh, some more in the future. And in the meantime, you guys have a great day. We love you. Be blessed. Bye-bye. We are so glad you have joined us today. To learn more about Hope Valley Church and get access to free resources, just go to www.hopevalley.church. Hope Valley is a church based in Winchester, Virginia that meets in homes around the region. So if you'd like to find out more about home churches, how they work, and how to locate one near you, just go to hopevalley.church house. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless you today.